and welcome into, uh, again, I don't know what we're calling this, Topper Podcast, I guess, or Hilltopper Podcast, not sure. I am Todd on along with me, Isaac Basinger, a sophomore broadcast student at uh, West Liberty University. Isaac also doing the play-by-play for men's and women's basketball, helping out throughout the year, uh, color commentary for football and men's and, oh, I guess, no, not this year, didn't do color commentary too. On the road you did, yeah. I'm getting myself all confused. Man. Yeah. It's got me messed up with no sports Everything canceled, having to work from home. It's got me all discombobulated. Uh, how are things going on your end with classes and all this stuff on Zoom? It's definitely weird going on and having just to have like assignments that are like, okay, this is what you have to do for the day. But as soon as I was able to sit down and plan it all out and some classes I do have to meet at a specific time and stuff like that, it definitely made it a little bit easier, but it's definitely not normal to say anything at least. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're used to snow days and things like that. I got a question for you, and this is a little bit more about your family. Your mother's a teacher. How is she dealing with this? It's it's weird because my sister's home too, and her fiance's here too. So we have four, and my dad also has to work from home too. So we're all at home. We're all doing stuff all the time, work wise. So we all have kind of have our little spots right now. I'm in our man cave, just a little bit of a card table, and that's what I put up, and that's my workspace. My mom, she's up. She has to deal. She sends out assignments to her students they will do them online for the week and she has to grade them but if they're not doing their assignments she has to go and try to get in contact with their parents and everything like that so she can't just sit down at one time and try to go grade everything it's like she said it's a fluid schedule for her it's whenever the kids do work is when she has to work yeah and I mean I've got to assume it's the same for a lot of teachers and your mom's a high school teacher so I'm sure it's the same for a lot of the high school teachers uh, around here in the valley and everywhere all, all the stuff that's going on this is just kind of crazy it's it's surreal is the word we keep using unprecedented for sure um but at least we've got something to do for entertainment to keep ourselves happy to try to get topper uh nation some something to watch something to have fun with we, we have mike lamberti on the show today uh coach lamberti it's always fun to talk with him he's he's an easy guy to speak to at all times he's one of those guys, we've seen him at practice how many times, more than willing to talk to us, have fun, but at the same time, when it's time to work, it is time to work. Yeah, definitely. He's definitely with the mentality of, the, of that. It's all fun and games till we get there, but as soon as there's like a switch that flips in his head and it's straight business and you just have to go right at it from there. And it's fun to see that the players really just adapt to it. They They – kind of take on the personalities of the coaching staff. And, you know, they, you got three guys there with them, whether it's, uh, you know, Coach Hallett, the head coach, Coach Huffman, and, and Coach Lamberti as the assistants. You see a little bit of their personalities in all of them. And it's it's fun to see uh, because those are three really good coaches. And you put those coach, that coaching staff together with the talent they have on that team. And you're going to get what you saw this year, a lot of good things. And it's only going to get better uh, from here on out with the toppers for sure. And definitely just touching on something you said before, there's some coaches that don't want to be friends with the players in practice and stuff like that because they don't want them to lose maybe that authoritative figure in them. But it doesn't seem like that with this West Liberty coaching staff. The players know that too. They're going to have fun during practice and go through and just make practice, practice enjoyable, even though sometimes it might not be enjoyable. But then as soon as like, it seems like there's a game, it switches. They're the authority figure and they're going to listen to the coaches. And they do a good job, too. I, I like the way they run their practices at West Liberty. Everything is a competition. And when you get a bunch of guys in there like they, they have – I mean, obviously at this level you have to recruit competitors. 
and guys that love to compete. And when you make every drill a competition, you played sports growing up too. I don't care what level it's at. It's fun when it's a competition, when it's not just a drill, just to do a drill. You're doing it and you're competing against somebody and it's a game in practice. That's fun. It, you know, it, it makes all the hard work seem a little less, a little less difficult. It's almost easier in a sense for practice for when it's a competition, because when you're running a drill or trying to learn plays, it's either you get it right or you don't. And, and that could be kind of frustrating at times where you might try to cut corners. When everything is a competition, there's a winner and there's a loser. And you don't want to be the loser in practice because most of the time, if you're a loser in a practice, there's a punishment involved. And we've seen it at West Liberty. And I, I think it's kind of funny at times, uh, some of the sprints, and I hope, I hope the coaches don't get uh, angry with me when I say this, but some of the sprints that they do as, as punishment for losing the game, they're not very much. And even if they made them more difficult, they've got this team so well in shape and these guys are all so well uh, in shape not going to be a whole lot of sprints that are going to hurt them too much. There are, it's not going to be too many lessons learned because they're already, uh, it's not going to tire them out. It's more like a, the, the sprints they run are just time to just think about why'd you lose the game? Not the fact that the conditioning <laughs> ass point, it, it's just, you just get to the point where you just run and you're like, okay, what could I have done better during that time where everyone else, maybe they just get the water when it's a little bit colder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with you there. Um, Unfortunately, Isaac was not able to be with us on uh, Coach Lamberti's interview, but he, he watched it. He knows what it was said. I, I enjoy some of the stories on there, folks. You're going to have fun listening to this one. Uh, some of the stories told uh, about Coach Howlett when he was an assistant with Coach Lamberti. I uh, was a freshman at West Liberty, and uh, some of the things he had to do, not bad, bad, but just some of the situations he was put in, uh, kind of funny, whether it's, hey, I'm, I'm out to eat with my parents. Are you guys ready? getting a call from coach Hallett. Are you, are you guys ready to play a pickup game as soon as you're done with that? Like, wait a second, what, this is like, this is college now. This is not high school anymore. I love hearing that from coach Hallett. It's the truth. Uh, so it's, it's really fun to see that kind of stuff or to hear those kind of things from the coaches years and years after the fact. And now coach Lamberti can use that uh, himself as a coach. And it's, it's interesting to see. I, I always love to hear those kind of stories. Yeah. They're always very interesting. Just the, kind of like the horror stories in a way is something that you were like, okay, stuff just got real. Now everything is now different. Now and you're going to come in and everyone trying to get a new experience and retelling those stories really makes you go back and cherish those times. Yeah. That, yeah they might've been really bad at that moment, but you look back at it now, maybe they weren't as bad as we thought they were at that time, but it made it made that person or people or a group of people, a better person and team. And, you know, we'll, we'll go back to, We'll get to Coach Lamberti here in a bit, but I want to get back to you. Uh, we've talked to the coaches, and they're employees of the school, so we know what the employees have gone through uh, at West Liberty so far, having to work from home, and everybody knows the students are having to do online classes. We talked about that a little bit. How is it for you just personally being at home all the time? You said both your parents are working from home. Your sister's there, her fiancé. I know you got the two dogs. If they want to make an appearance on the show, by all means, the dogs can make an appearance if you think they'll behave. That's, that's up to you, uh, but I think animals, anything to make the folks at home happy will do. Well, the behaving part, it might be the only problem with the dogs being on there. They're, still, they're less than a year old still, so they're still working their way on, but just being at home all the time, there's its ups and its downs. It's nice being around family the whole time. It's always nice. I know we've implemented family game night on Fridays and Saturday nights just so because we can't do anything else. There's nothing on TV. 
just kind of do that so we have our time together. But also we understand we need to be apart from each other. There'll be occasional times when I've recently started working back up at Ogilvy two days a week just so I can just get out of the house for a couple little bit and stuff of that nature. And my dad and I, we go out and golf. It might, we might be still together, but it's something to get our mind off of being at home. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what everybody's looking for. That's partly why we're doing this show. We, we want to give something uh, to Topper Nation to kind of forget that there are not games being played right now. And that's hopefully what we'll accomplish here. And I don't know. Uh, uh, luckily, I don't have to deal with that many people in my house. I, I live alone for the folks at home. So I don't have to really deal with anybody. I can just call whoever I want to when I want to talk to somebody. If I don't want to talk to them, guess what? I'm probably not answering the phone. And it's fine. I, I get to relax a little bit, but it does. Just being in the house every single day, um, everybody, everybody has to be feeling it at this point. Um, how are you dealing with the fact that there's no live sports to watch? That's the one thing that's really killing me. And like, okay, this being stuck in the house and having to be stuck here all the time, it might be okay if there was, hey, I can go watch a Penguin game. Todd, this is torture. It's basically what it is. I think – if someone said you could lose your left foot and we'd have live sports back, I think I'd be willing to take that bet. Uh, it, it's, I said, it, I was so disappointed at the beginning when they started canceling all the sports and I was visibly upset about it. And my mom's like, Oh, well, you need to stop your wine and stop getting it. I said, mom, I want to be a sports broadcaster. And he took away the sports and there's nothing to do with it anymore. It's, that's so very tough in those situations that uh, there's the part of the, what I want to do is not there right now. And I know it might not just be me. You got to think about all the news outlets. You got to think about ESPN and Sports Center, and right. it has to be so hard just to try to do your job. But it's being like, okay, what can we dig up from the past and stuff like that? But you know, it's definitely killing me. And people, I get a little upset too when they say, oh, because college football is one of my absolute favorite sports, and they say, oh, they might have to delay the season and stuff like that. So I'd rather not hear it right now. I'd rather. <laughs> deal with it when we get to that we'll cross that bridge when we get there but i'd rather just focus on right now and just hopefully getting back to having live sports yeah that's that's what i'm really hoping for as well because it's getting to be too much uh you helped me out i i meant to tell coach lamberti just to joke with him and i did not get to during the interview that i'm getting my shots up every day still even though everything's shut down only it's either nba 2k or the the college basketball game that i got to borrow from isaac He's got the last one ever made, and I got to borrow it from him. I'm pretty happy I get to play that recruit some players. So I, be on the watch. If I ever go to Texas or if I become the head coach of Texas, I'm going to put you or edit somebody, make sure Isaac Basinger is my starting point guard. You, what, I, I might, go ahead. What's that? Go what ahead. were you going to say? I was like, what position do you want to be? Oh, I want to be shooting guard. If I'm touching the ball, I'm shooting. Okay. Well, you can still shoot as a point guard. Nowadays you can. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not. The ball handling's not the greatest here. I'd rather just be a, a stand in the corner, let everyone run the offense, and I kick it out to me. I just shoot it. So you want to be the Kevin Durant of Texas? Well, I don't think I can be the Kevin Durant of Texas because when he was there, he's pretty darn good. It's a video game. I can make you how good or however good I want to make you. Well, 99 rating, then you can put me wherever you want because I'm going to be the best player on the court. <laughs> well, I like it. Uh, we'll go to uh, Coach Lamberti now. And uh, Isaac and I will be back after the interview is over. So, again, we'll pitch it to Coach Lamberti. As promised, we have assistant coach for men's basketball, Mike Lamberti, with his coach. 
crazy days with coronavirus and quarantines and all those good things. So how have you been? I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. Um, a little bored as the days go on. I'm running out of activities to do around the house and things to keep me busy. But uh, it's a good problem to have after a long season where it feels like I had no free time and you know, just running around like a chicken with my head cut off. It's, it's kind of, it was kind of good for the first couple of days to rewind the batteries and just you know get to sit back and relax and catch up on some you know, honey to-do list things and all that kind of stuff. But I'm good. I'm healthy. I'm feeling all right. I'm getting to spend some more more time with my fiance here at home and just knock out some stuff like that and keep going and working on the phone a little bit with recruits and scheduling and that stuff. Basketball watch. So life's good. And appreciate you having me on and catching up with everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, I know this is kind of a break for you, something fun to do and yeah. kind of not be bored, but it's fun for me as well. And I get to say it's part of my job. So uh, this is very enjoyable for me as well. Uh, you know, I asked Coach Howlett about this as well. When you guys got word that it was canceled, it was the official word, hey, uh, we're not having a tournament. What was that emotional feeling like? Because it's not as if you guys lost a game this year to have your tournament be ended or your season be, season be ended. Uh, I guess the lucky thing, no seniors, you didn't have to tell somebody their career was over with this, but still it doesn't matter. It's an opportunity. You only get four, uh, and, and it's an opportunity lost. Yeah, absolutely. I know Coach Howlett touched on it a little bit. Um, I think a bunch of the coaches for the regional tournament were in Coach Howitt's office and we were all just like throwing ideas off of each other, what's going to happen, all that. And, you know, once we just got, we'd get a notification every five minutes, this tournament was canceled, this tournament was canceled. And, you know, everybody had their different opinions, but in my mind, I was just not optimistic at all. I go, the Big Ten and Big 12 and SEC and all these big dogs are canceling the tournament. You know, we might have just finished our practice and we get ready for our game. We've been only about 20 hours away from tip off, but I just didn't see any way possible of us having this tournament just because of all the uncertainty of everything that's going on and all that but um it's kind of hard to relish and think back on and just it's just kind of crazy to me still I, you don't you don't realize exactly what's going on because you don't have all the facts and all that you're just learning as you go on with this virus and everything but you understand the precaution they're taking but um when we first got the news it didn't hit me as much it was just kind of disappointing just seeing all the coaches faces and all that kind of stuff but what, what hit me was just walking in that locker room and, you know, our, our 13 guys were sitting in their chairs in the locker room where we're usually sitting for film and all that kind of stuff. And they had already known. Was, we were coming in knowing they had already received the news. But seeing their faces and then Coach Howe let us all speak as a staff. So we all went one, one by one. It's just like I thought back to my playing days and I didn't take it. I, I didn't take it for granted. Or I took it for granted a little bit when I was a player just because of how much we got to do it so often. I think my first two years we hosted the regional and then we went off East Strasburg. I got to play in the NCAA tournament every single year, three of the five years at West Liberty. But some of those guys have been there for four years and they've been working their tails off and they've, getting, they've been getting better every single year these last three or four years. And to host a regional tournament and get the NCAA tournament, not all the schools get to say they get to do that. And a lot of college athletes don't get to say they get to do that kind of stuff. So. To see that kind of rip away from those guys, was, it, was, it was heartbreaking. I heard for those guys. And then we walked out, went to the team mail. You see a couple of our guys hugging each other. And it's like, it's kind of like a movie. I was, in, I was like the last guy coming out of the locker room. And I saw like Will Yoakum put his arm around Pat Robinson. Like, man, it's not over. We'll get to come back next year and all that kind of stuff. But seeing all those emotions unwrap and all that kind of stuff with our guys, which is, was unfortunate. But I understand every, I understand the precautions you got to take and all that kind of stuff. And like you said, luckily we don't have any seniors. Hopefully this get some little hungry, light some little fire. Whenever we can come back, whether it be summertime, fall, winter, whatever they, whenever they allow us, hopefully these guys have been working hard and 
knowing them, I think they are. And I know our staff's going to be fired up and it's going to be hopefully letting like the pit bulls out of, out of the cage a little bit and unleashing them to those guys out in the court again. That was kind of the thought that I had, knowing the way that uh, the competitiveness, not just of the players, but of you as the coaching staff as well, between uh, you, Coach Hallett, and Coach Huffman. I see these guys coming back next year knowing that an opportunity was taken away from them, just like everybody else had an opportunity taken away from them as well. But uh, with the way the team was rolling at that point in time of the year, winning a conference tournament, playing really well, it just feels like, you know, the opportunity was ripped out of your hands. And I feel like the toppers are going to be back with a vengeance next season. It's going to be uh, n- no holds barred a-, a little bit just because next year there will be seniors and it will be the last opportunities for a few guys. So I feel like the rest of the team's going to understand that. And you can kind of see it already with these guys. Yeah, definitely. I think, I, I just think a lot of guys got more comfortable with their roles and you can just see them getting better as the year as the year went on. We brought them in in August and September and we we're watching practice. We're like, holy heck, we got a long way to go. And then, you know, the early days or the early games of the season, we're sitting at six and three. Um, if you look at our past records, we weren't sitting at that kind of situation very often. And sometimes we're thinking what's going on or we panicking. Like, no, we just stick to it. We got, we got a couple new freshmen that are in the line, a couple new transfers are trying to figure this out. And, you know, sophomores and juniors playing big minutes that we're expecting just because they played a lot for us the previous year. We're expecting them to play like experienced seniors would. But, no, it's you know, it's the grueling part of the season where you get November, December, you, you kept growing. And I think that was the most fun, I thought, in my eyes, watching that happen because I didn't get to see that very often in my, in my playing, career, playing career or my coaching career yet so far with that being so young. Just seeing every single guy develop, the Pat Robinsons and the Malik McKinney's coming from a system they're, that they're, that was very different at their previous school, and they transfer into something that's just hectic to them, and just a whole different language. It's a foreign language. Trying to learn, you go, go from learning English to German, and trying to speak it differently. It's, it's different for them. But the light bulb started to come on, and that's when you know it, it started getting fun, and that's when we started winning some ball games. And the same thing with like Bryce Butler and Owen Hazel Baker, the freshmen that are high school basketball is completely different than what we're doing. And then the returners that are already playing, like Dalton and Will and Marlon and Luke. And John Alessandro just being different from being a redshirt and going out there in the court. All those guys are getting light bulb moments. All those guys are understanding their roles, and that's when we rattled off. I, I forget the exact number, 21 out of 22 games in a row. And, you know, winning that conference tournament the way that we did, and was a, winning three games with the style we play and everything like that, pressing for 40 minutes and the you know, glowing takes on your body for doing that. I remember it. I remember waking up on Saturday morning and, holy heck, my knees are shot. How am I going to do this for two more days in a row? Our guys are pretty serious about what they do and they take care of their bodies. Jason Coleman gets them in the training room, does a great job of them. So, you know, those guys were those guys were clicking on all cylinders. They had some really good team chemistry. It was really fun to watch. And I'm hoping this break doesn't throw a little wrench in the system at all. And, but I think that once we come back and we, we shake off these cobwebs and get them in practice one or two weeks, it'll be just like riding a bike and they'll be used to playing with each other again and we're going to be excited for the next season. Well, uh, you mentioned Jason Coleman, the athletic director. That's two people now that you have mentioned uh, between your fiance and, and Jason. I can't help it. I have to. I think it's written in my contract when I graduated uh, from Wheeling Central. Got to mention the Wheeling Central people. Uh, I might get some hate from that, maybe from Robin Bruner, but that's all right. We'll see if she watches this or not. That's always fun uh, messing with Robin about Wheeling Central and Lindsley uh, sports, but uh, to going back to your high school days, when you were being recruited by Westlib, at that point, they had not been to a national title game yet. That happened during your time at Westlib as a player. Yeah. 
Uh, what was the hype around West Liberty at that time when you were being recruited? Were they already seen as, hey, this is a big-time program in Division II? Uh, it was funny. When I was in high school, I had no idea what West Liberty was or anything like that. And I'm a Pittsburgh guy, so it's, I, I'm not that far away. And it's crazy. When I think of Division II basketball, <clears throat> coming from Western Pennsylvania, I was thinking of, like, California, University of Pennsylvania, or Slippery Rock, or Indiana, IUP, Clary, and those kind of schools. But the funny thing is, is West Liberty's closer to my house than any of those schools are. It's only 45 minutes down the road. But um, I remember I was going into my senior year. I was about June, July time period, probably AAU. Coach Eric Rivera was still assistant, assisting them. And he saw me playing an AAU tournament over down in Morgantown High. And he gave me a call, sent me some stuff in the mail. And, um, I really didn't take it that seriously just because I, I had not, I, I, didn't, I didn't have any familiarity with it, but he did a great job of hammering the phone, calling me 24-7, and just, you know, Coach Rivera was a great guy to talk to. It was really easy to talk with, you could have conversations about, he's a Steelers fan, and talk with me about that kind of stuff, not just basketball, but I uh, went down for a visit, I went to the football game back in 2010, I think it was Westland, Edinburgh was the uh, kickoff game back then and it was a great environment. I was like, this place is pretty cool. It's, you know, it has a hometown feel. There's tailgating going on. This place looks pretty fun, but I didn't know anything about the basketball history. But and then that year in November they had two games back to back. I think the first one was Lockhaven. They beat them like 150 to 55. And then and it was in the Pittsburgh newspaper. My dad goes, We better start taking these guys a little serious here in this recruiting process. Like and just like show me the box score and all that kind of stuff. Wow, they just came out like 95 points. They put up 150. And then two nights later, they play Point Park and they beat that 150 record. It's more like 155. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. This is the real deal. I'm going to get take this. So I got on the phone with Coach Rivera and started taking it a little more serious. I think I went to like four or five games that year. Corey Pelly and Wallace and Chuck and Schetzer and Fortney were the seniors that year. They were just so much fun to watch. And, um, the ASRC was rocking. As you could tell, that the like the home court advantage and how serious our fans take it. it was that was that introduction to it, and they went on that magical run. I think they were 33 and 0 before dropping in the final four. And all the guys were great. Alex Falk and Jeff Units and those kind of guys were underclassmen that would call me and just you know, give, be good role models and tell me like I was wanted and all that kind of stuff as a recruit. So it just it just felt like home when I made my decision. So it's funny that you asked that. No, I didn't know anything about West Liberty growing up, high school, junior high, nothing, but. <laughs> Thanks to Eric Prevard, and he gave me a call and all that kind of stuff my senior year, and he did a great job recruiting me along with Coach Crutchfield, and it felt like home. But, and then the funny thing about that is Coach Prevard left and uh, right before I moved in, and there comes this uh, young kid down the stairwell when I came to work for camp, Coach Hallett, and he shook my hand, and he looked about as old as I was at the time. I don't know where this guy went. Um, you know, the rest is history of that, seven, eight years of relationships with him, and he felt like he, he felt like the coach that recruited me the whole time, so it's been fun to – Fun to watch that grow and all that kind of stuff and look back and think about those kind of stories because I remember the first time Coach Out ever called me and the first time I met him, see him grow now as the head coach, pretty cool, sitting there as his assistant. It's, it's funny how life works out like that. Well, you know, now that you're the assistant and Coach Hallett talked about this on the last show that we did, uh, now that he's the head coach, he doesn't really play uh, pickup games with the red shirts of the players. He did when he was an assistant. Now that's your job. I've watched you do it, folks. Let me tell you, at home watching, Coach Lamberti still got it. He's out there doing windmill dunks. He's calling out what's going to happen before it happens. It's almost like Larry Bird talking trash. Like, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and there's nothing you can do about it. It kind of happens that way sometimes. It's, it's funny to see. Um, what were those practices like when you were young as a player and had to go up against Coach Hallett? And I know you work together now, so you, you might have to 
hold off a little bit on some of the times that you beat them, but I, I don't know. But what was that like, though, and now that your relationship is different? Uh, Coach Howell is probably one of the most competitive people, regardless <laughs> of what it is you're talking about. It could be checkers, chess, how you clean your office, what you're wearing, whatever it may be. He's one of the most competitive people, wants to be the best, a perfectionist that I've ever met. And uh, he made that very clear on move-in day my freshman year. And I'm a high school kid that coming from being the best high school player on your team, and I can do anything I want when at the high school level where I'm thinking, like, all right, I'll be the man here in college too. Well, I move in. On a Friday with uh, my roommate, CJ Hester, we're going to get our final meal with our parents before they take us off. And they take off to go home, and we're on our own. And Coach Howell texts both of us. He goes, hey, can you guys be in the gym to play three-on-three today? We're like, yeah, sure. What time? He goes, uh, I don't know, 20, 20 minutes, half hour? And we're at a restaurant with our parents. We're eating a bunch of pasta. Like, oh, wow, this is going to go. But uh, me and CJ go over there, and a couple of the older classmen are playing three-on-three. And just watching that guy's energy, he still had it at 24 years old. And I think it, unless you blocked his shot, it wasn't it wasn't going to miss at all from the three-point range. He'd back cut you. He'd face cut you. The speed of the game became really um, evident right there playing three-on-three with Coach. And I was putting my hands on my knees about when the score was like seven to six. And he goes, you got a long way to go, buddy. Coach, he goes, Coach, Joshua, what isn't going to be like him to see what, you, what you're looking like right now? I guess you got to get in shape. You can't be taking plays off like that. Playing through on three with Coach Howell, my redshirt year, helped me get ready for what I, what I was going to face the next four years. He did a great job of always getting us together. I think it was always a little bit. He wanted to just get a workout himself in and show off what he still had. But uh, it helped us out in the long run, too. Just him <laughs> leading by example and playing the way he plays. It made me a way better player. But he's a, he's a competitive little bugger, that's for sure. And it, it's, still, it's still the same way now as a head coach. He wants to beat everybody he faces. Uh, you can see that it's very evident with coach. And again, that's a big reason why this program uh, is what it still is today. I mean, that competitiveness, that fire, you can see uh, the team and the players take on your personalities as a coaching staff. It's very evident there. You tell that story though, you go eat a bunch of pasta before you 20, 30 minutes before you have to go. I just watched an episode binge watching the office folks on Netflix. There's nothing else to do. Can't go anywhere. So I'm just binge watching stuff the rabies run or whatever they did on the office and Michael carbo loading and eats all the fettuccine Alfredo right before the race. That's what coach Hallett did to you guys. That's not fair. Yeah. He must've saw that episode or something like that. And knew he just, all right, go to all garden <laughs> with your parents, load up, get some pasta in you and I'll come whoop your butt in three on three for an hour and a half. And you'll uh, second guess what you got yourself into there. But, never uh, be allowed to use that as an excuse though. He'll never let you use that as an excuse. No, no, no excuses. Once you lay some up, you just got to get your mind right and start playing. <laughs> It doesn't matter what you ate, when you ate it, you stretch, you get ready, it's time to play some basketball. Speaking of uh, binge watching and having stuff, uh, you know, on streaming services, what are you into watching right now? Um, you know, my fiance, Emily at UConn, is huge on the Netflix and all Amazon Prime, everything like that. And just the nature I am, I think as I'm getting older, I can't sit still for like more than like 30 minutes at a time and it drives me nuts but I'm more of a movie guy Emily and I actually just got finishing watching the all the seven Harry Potters all over again I don't know I don't know why but we enjoy watching that and sit down in our little man cave on our page to watch that but the tv show I'm watching right now is an old one I think it just finished up but uh, Suits is a okay. USA show with the lawyer Harvey Specter and Mike Ross where uh, we started that over from season one and uh, people that haven't seen that reminds me of uh, like a house type of show they got a problem in the beginning of it, and then you, got, you know, you go through all the finding out how to solve that problem in the middle of it, and you got your drama with relationships and stuff like that too. But 
I'm a, I'm a, I was a business major. I like the business field. So seeing these lawyers be funny and all that kind of stuff. That's a good show. Seats on USA's. What we're watching right now, I think. If Emily was on this behind me, she'd have about five or six other shows that she'd have <laughs> all watching. They'd be all the top shows that everybody's watching. But I take it one at a time. Maybe watch a movie at night. <laughs> we might have to get her on the show just to see what's uh, what's popular out there in the world. What everybody's watching. Were you a Game of Thrones guy? Uh, I was not. I was, was. I was not. I couldn't get into it. I, all my buddies from back home said, "You got to watch the show. You got to watch the show." And I, I started the season one like three or four times where I'd watch the first two or three episodes and I just couldn't get into it. Everybody said, you gotta get past episode three, you gotta get past episode three, but uh, I could never get past it. But no, I was a big Entourage guy on HBO. That was a big show of okay. mine, Entourage. That was, that was one of my big favorite ones. But like I said, if you, if you find me a show that's like 28 minutes, 30 minutes, and they're quick and to the point like that, like Friends or something like that, I can do that. But I just get too antsy and think I gotta get do a bunch of stuff or can't lay it out for that long. Just gotta keep going. That's where I'm the opposite. I could lay down forever, I think. So the long right. show. Me, uh, before this all happened, to get on that Hunter show, or, uh, yeah. I'm saying, all right, I need a yeah. idea to yeah. watch it. I haven't gotten to it yet, but Al Pacino, I've, I've been looking forward to sitting down and watching that. So it's, like, it's, a, it's a pretty good one. My, my parents just finished it the other night. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I can't believe what happened. How about this, though? Tiger King. That's everyone's talking about this Tiger King show. I got my one of my best friends from high school. He's talking about it like nonstop and just says it's a mind blowing show. He says it's funny, but it's just like holy heck. Oh yeah, gone. I I got a I've got a feeling on Netflix they make fun of them. They buy up everything. They'll put on any kind of show you want. I have a feeling if somebody wrote this show as a fiction, or, you know, they would not buy this show if it was made up. But the fact that it's real, that's the only way it would sell. Like you, so what's the whole gist of the what's the whole gist of the show? Is this this you got a couple people that own a, a thousand tigers or something like that? Is what I've been told, or sort of, kind of. I mean, they run these little zoo, like private zoos, almost. And the one lady that is in cahoots with uh, Peta, she claims it's a reservation, you know, not a reserve, but but a reserve. That's what it is, a reserve yeah. to keep all the the tigers uh, safe, and it's you know, the last place they'll ever live. And she's not selling tigers or anything like that when her thing it's it's worse than what all the other people she has that she's fighting against like yeah they just showed video your place and your cages are way smaller than everyone else's they're not free what are you talking about but there's all kinds of other crazy stuff i don't want to give it away uh, yeah i might have I mean, it sounds like we got a couple more weeks of this so i might actually oh, yeah. sit down on this and be able to enjoy that one every single person on the show probably needs to be in jail is how i'm putting it that's what i think <laughs> It's I crazy. Everybody's different, but it sounds. But what I've heard from all the different opinions, it sounds wild. It sounds yeah. wild. Everybody's committing crimes. I think that's what happens on <laughs> the show. It's insane. Um, if it wasn't true, you wouldn't watch this show because it's it makes just, that much more entertaining because it's actual real life stuff. Huh? And you wonder how can this be real? That's the one. That's I think that's what makes it most intriguing. Is I don't think it could have come out at a more perfect time for everybody with everybody being quarantined. And now let's watch some craziness and. Sure. This is humanity. Gotta love it. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. You, you got to play in that national title game. Yeah. We'll go back a little bit. Got to play in that national title game. Um, that's something that no one else has ever experienced with basketball uh, at West Liberty. That feeling going into it, was it just business as usual for that game, or was there a bit of nerves? What, what was going on with the team? I don't personally individually remember any extra nerves or anything like that. 
as far as preparing for a game, she, I think my mindset and just get my body ready and judging by my teammates' reactions too, there it, it was pretty business as usual, doing all our same stuff. But I'd say the hype was a little different. You know, our cell phones were ringing a little bit more. We were getting phone calls from people we haven't heard from or text messages from people we haven't heard from in a while, just saying good luck, we keep following you and all that kind of stuff. A couple fan buses made their way to Indiana. I think um, – that national championship game attendance was one of the highest ones at that time. So, I mean, the board center in Evansville was completely packed on the lower lower sections on both sides. Central Missouri had a big time following. Um, it was kind of just a surreal feeling because, you know, being a, being a basketball player growing up, you want to play and stuff like that. At the Division II level, you're not playing on TVS and TNT and, you know, all those NCAA tournament Division One networks all the time. But that specific game, you're on CBS, you know, you're doing all the starting lineup stuff, all the commercial promos, they're calling the five main guys to do all the stuff behind the scenes, the black screen. So that stuff was all a little different, but I think once the ball went up, it was just another basketball game. And it felt like the regional tournaments that we played in or the conference tournaments that we played in before. And, you know, we all kind of knew our role and we came out pretty on fire in the beginning of that game. Cedric Harris, I remember just being unstoppable and, couldn't keep in front of you, knocking down mid-range jumpers and getting to the rim. He looked like the best player on the court. I think a couple spells just happened there in the second half where we went under a couple screens and a couple guys hit big-time shots for Central Missouri and it kind of just uncrumbled there the last two minutes of the game. It was tough to, tough to swallow, tough to watch. It's funny, uh, CJ Astor, one of my best friends, he'll, he'll text me every time there's a national championship game on TV. Remember when we lost in that? We were walking the confetti back to the locker room. Like, you have to just – can't we just run, bring – it's a nice memory that we played in the game. We don't have to talk about it every time uh, a, a national championship games on TV, whether it be football, basketball, whatever. He always has to remind me of that. But, you know, as, as the years go on, I think a couple of us all realize how special that was, especially for the university as a whole. Playing that, it would have been nice to come out on top. But uh, it's a good it's a good memory to have. You know, I pass it along. To, I try to pass it along to our players. And, and recruiting guys, tell them all the games I've played in, the final fours and the national championships and how important it is and how special it is to play in this kind of big game. But uh, I think it makes those guys kind of hungry and they want to experience stuff like that. So it's it's cool for me to be able to have that kind of memory and just pass along to the followers behind me. And, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that played sports growing up, whether they could say, yeah, I played in a championship game in grade school, high school, state championship, things like that. A national title, and I know everybody wants to – think less of division two, that it's not division one. Like you said, it's not on TNT, TBS with all the March madness and all that stuff. But at the same time, playing in a national title game at the division two level, there are not a whole lot of people that can say that at, at any sports. I mean, it's just incredible to get to that point. It is so much more difficult than a state title. I know you won one in high school as well for basketball. So I can't, Compare the differences. I was lucky enough to be on teams that were good in high school. Difference between being on a good high school team that goes to win a state title and one that makes a national title game in Division Two. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just crazy to think about. Put pop that in my mind. I've been lucky to be on a lot of good teams, high school, college. It's just been I've been blessed to be have be around a lot of good coaches and a lot of good teammates to help me get to me partake in those kind of games. But I think the difference is just. In college, it's a full-time job, and it's the time and work you put in to, to get to that, and everybody you're playing against is on that same level. You know, they're all they're all putting that full-time job 40 hours a week and way more than 40 hours a week, but they're putting that same time period in, and they want to win just as bad. We're in high school, regular season, you might not play those kind of type of teams the night in and night out. When you get to the playoffs, yeah, everybody wants to win at the state 
at the, at the state tournament level, but I think going on a run at the high school level compared to the college level is just the hunger of the and, the and the nature of the beast of the type of guys you're playing against. You're playing against 18 to 23 year old men at the college level, and they know their time is dwindling down in a college career. Especially most teams that are making success are senior heavy and they're driven. And they they got guys that want to win and win and win. So I think the I think the past history that we had in the, the previous years of my first two years of losing to teams like Stonehill, my first year in Metro State, my second year I helped help guys get a little more hungry and serious and we had the experience that we knew in that kind of tournament run that we could actually do it against that championship run but you know, it's really freaking hard especially at the division two level you got to win three games in four days in that national tournament and the same thing at the regional tournament it was we were, we were making a pretty good run going to east Strasburg that year i think i remember we played glenville state for the fourth time that year yeah we played iup who everybody knows about at our level that went to a triple overtime game i think some of the guys played like almost 60 minutes in that game and then we played east strasburg he only had one loss uh all season on their home court I mean, three thousand people booing us as we walked out of the tunnel that was a pretty yeah. cool experience one of that on their home court and then you traveled nine hours to indiana to play teams like drury and uh usc aiken back-to-back nights and playing those kind of guys the way we play the kind of we talked about earlier it's hard it's really, really, really hard. It's taxing on the body. But like I said, we got a great support staff. I mean, that time period was Herb Minch and uh, Jason Coleman taking care of us in the hotels and all that kind of stuff. But just that you just have to have that mental focus and be all locked in. You got to be locked in and understand that you only get to do this once in your life. And once that buzzer goes off at zero, 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 you run out of eligibility or something like that. Or even if you're just a sophomore at that time, you have no guarantee of getting back to something like that. There's no guarantee of getting some time games like that. So you just got to cherish the moment, be zoned in, and be really, really focused. So yeah, I've been like, both those runs, state championship in high school and the national tournament or national championship run in college, those are, those are memories I cherish forever. I think it's helped me become a better coach, just a better you know, mentor and leader. But those are some big time games, and they're really fun to play. And I think just playing at West Liberty uh, helps that. You know, it's where we're expected. You know, coach Allen and our staff expect to get to games like that. But, it takes a lot of hard work in the August, September time period of getting better in practice that we talked about earlier in, the, in this video. But it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to have those kind of pressure on you and expectations. And when you get to those big games, and you win it like we did down at West Bank. That's yeah. a big game. Those guys are going to remember that forever. It's a lot of, a lot of, it's the first time a lot of those guys cut down nets like that. Hopefully we can get a nice big shining rings where they can remember it and sit on their desk and collect dust like mine do. But... <laughs> It's a, it's a lot of fun getting to play in those kind of big games, but you just can't take it for granted. And I, I can't wait to talk to some of the players uh, on interviews like this because I want to get their perspective on what it's like having coaches that uh, not only can tell them from personal experience of getting to play in games like that, but uh, experience as a, a coach as well. So uh, they're so lucky to have a coaching staff that really understands from all angles. Like I've been in these situations as a player and a coach, Here's what I've learned in my years and having to deal with this. I think that's invaluable for any team. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's nice to have you know, a guy that they can, you know, I guess I'm not that far away in age room and although I'm getting up there and they can they can relate to me a little easier than, than most other coaches that are higher up there in age, especially in, I played in the games that they want to play in, so I get hit with those kind of questions all the time. But I just try and keep those guys – you know, level and keep, you know, if we got a game in January and they're trying to talk about March Madness and all that kind of stuff, hey, just calm down, enjoy the game in January <laughs> right now. We got to get through this grind. It's pretty hard right now. Let's take the next game of focus. But I think, I think those guys, our guys can benefit that. And Coach Allen and Coach Huffman coached in some big time games that I was a player of that they, they got to see 
a whole different side of it than I did. They're probably taking it a little bit more seriously than I was when I was just a player, just thinking like, all right, I got to go play a basketball game. Let's go do this again. Yeah. Guys were a little more zoned in, but I think I, I think it's it's starting to help a little bit in the recruiting process. And once they get to West Lips, you know, they see all those banners on the wall back there in the ASRC. Like, Coach, what team are you part of? What team are you part of? And, uh, so it's, it's fun to tell to tell stories about that and look at the different years and know, know the different stories that go behind all those banners up there. Yeah, I mean, even when you tell them stories, I'm sure there's a little bit of envy or just jealousy because they want to be able to tell those kind of stories too when they graduate. If they come back, okay, you see those banners? I was a part of those banners and this banner. It's a huge part of it. And I mean, yeah, that's, the, that's the competitive juice. It's like when I'm playing three on three and one of our guys takes me to the hoop because I'm old and I can't move anymore. Uh, and they start talking trash like, Coach, I just got you. I go, when you got those up there, you can talk to me. Like, yeah. <laughs> now, we, we can't go on with the I'm an old guy stuff too soon with you you're you're not an old guy yet because it was like here and there you talked me up a little bit too much earlier but those guys are starting to take it to me they're, they're a little better than i was but I, I i have my moments here and there but it was it was just last year the seniors from last year well we'll, we'll take it back the 18-19 season people may be getting confused on that the season this year is over but the 18-19 those seniors were guys that coach lamberti played with at west liberty yeah. so he's not that old um We'll try to keep you young, Coach. Uh, I appreciate I, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. We have to do this again for sure. Uh, we have some more time. Maybe next time if Emily's around, we'll get her on and get her Netflix and Hulu picks and all the streaming services, what shows to watch. Uh, we can keep this going. We can try to keep uh, people at home entertained somehow, some way. I appreciate you taking the time, Todd. Stay safe out there. All the fans out there, appreciate all you do. Can't wait to see you again soon. Uh, Top and Nation, take care. It was great, great talking with you, Todd. I appreciate it. Thank you, Coach. We'll see you again. Have a good one. Take care. Thank you, Coach Lamberti. That was great. Uh, a lot of fun talking to Coach. Uh, he keeps calling himself the – I'm the old guy around here. I'm older than everybody. I think I'm even – the only coach that I'm not older than, I think, is Coach Wylot. I think that's it. Everybody else I'm older than, not by much, but a little bit. So hearing him call himself the old guy, can't have that. Can't have that. He's, he's still able to practice. We've seen him. We've seen him in practice against the red shirts. He's saying I'm talking him up a little bit too much. I don't believe so. I think he's still got it. He knows he does. He's just being a humble, humble coach. Yeah, the good thing he's teaching the humbleness. When you come from a great program, from like like West Liberty, you know you're going to have some great teams and some great players. So him not talking himself up might rub up on some of the players. If even if they might be playing good, maybe bring them down to earth a little bit. Yeah, and it's it's fun. We'll we'll get Coach back on for sure. Hopefully next time we can have uh, you on there with us on the interview, whether it's you. We're going to have a few people co-hosting with us uh, for this show. Obviously, Isaac. Uh, then we're going to have Sean Ryan come on. He's done some color commentary for us for uh, men's and w- women's basketball. Uh, try to get Lauren Fridley on, a current student at West Liberty. She's done some color commentary for uh, actually, play-by-play as well for Acro and Tumbling did some sideline reporting for us for basketball and football. Cubby Varner as well, baseball player at Westlib, but he's been on air for us. And last but not least, we're going to try to get Kyle Patrick, a blast from the past, try to get him back on here. Uh, Kyle was the host of Jock Talk for a long time. You are now one of the co-hosts of Jock Talk as well. Uh, tell people about that show. And it, we're kind of doing Jock Talk right now a little bit with no live sports. That's basically what this is. Yeah, uh, Jock Talks is a student-run, basically a sit-down version of our version. What we want to do, Sports tenor, sports Center, uh, First Take, whatever we want to do, basically in that nature of sports. We normally go three segments, break it up by whatever league we want to go to, 
go through, give a little bit of okay, the games that happened over the weekend and stuff like that. And then we talked about moving forward what we want within the league. Like, okay, I'm predicting this. I like to do predictions. I think if I watch as much sports as I watch, I'd be able to predict how a team's going to play and how they're going to match up against another team. So I like doing predictions, and I like being able to tell you why. I'm not a person that says, okay, I think they're going to win, and then stop it there. I like going and trying to go a little bit further, and we might have disagreements, but that's the fun in it. That's where we come, like, the first take version, where we kind of go back and we battle with each other and basically try to outsmart each other. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've watched the show. I've seen you guys interact with fellow students. I feel bad for Covey at times. I feel like you and Lauren pick on the new kid a little bit. Is that just kind of the new uh, <laughs> broadcast version of hazing when you when you go against everything he says? It's not that we go against everything he says. It's just sometimes I might be a little bit more prepared than he is when we come into it, and I can just come in and just get him with every single <laughs> thing and knowledge, and he kind of sits there and is kind of like, okay, I need to step up to the plate a little bit more. Oh, that – that show is so much fun to be a part of. I, I did it when I was a student at West Liberty. Um, I don't know about you guys. It was always more fun with the production meetings that did not be, did not get filmed. They were not aired. Uh, things we could do a few more things in those production meetings that we could not do on air. So it made it even more fun. And uh, just getting on certain people, like you said, a little bit of the ribbing, uh, getting on people, certain things that they enjoyed or teams they liked. You gotta, you gotta give it to them a little bit. Uh, but that that's what makes it really fun. And uh, I'm trying to think of when, you know, it's probably going to be the start of next school year before people get another episode of Jock Talk. Yeah, more than likely with all, all the class, all in-person class, uh, excuse me, all in-person classes are all canceled. So we're probably not going to be able to get another episode, but you can go back and watch some of the old ones. Uh, last year I started just Kyle Patrick and I and Lauren Fridley would also be on there with us. That those were some fun shows too, because Kyle and I, he, him and I had, we, he but him he liked some teams, I liked some teams, but we never liked the same teams, so we always battled with each other. And as you said, those production meetings were always so fun because we'd sit there and we just rip each other left <laughs> and right, and it'd be fun. And you think only if we could record those some of the things we would say when we get on the shows, kind of said a little bit of a toned down version of it, but at the same time it was still great. Uh, so much fun. Listen, I agree with Kyle Patrick on most things. We're both huge Penguin fans. Want nothing more than to see them win every single game they play. But we still disagree a great deal about what the Penguins should do, whether it's personnel or what style of play, who's playing well, who is not. The big one is who we would trade and who we would not. Uh, I'll get into that with Kyle once he comes on the show, but I'll save it for that point in time because that'll be fun. Um. But again, for you, just personally, you, you went to Wheeling Central, trying to get people uh, to know a little bit more about you. Went to Wheeling Central, played all kinds of sports uh, growing up. Uh, Corpus Christi kid as well. Talk about your the, the most fun times you've had playing sports growing up. Oh, that, that's going to be tough because uh, I enjoyed every single time I got to be on a field. It didn't matter if, obviously, is something my dad would always say is when I was growing up and you play sports, there's a winner and a loser. And he always said, like, so to go to the parents, said, I just want my kid to have fun. My dad said, I've never had fun once when I lost. So winning, it always felt good. And I always had fun. Probably towards the end of my high school career, my sophomore, junior, and senior season of baseball, that was probably my favorite time of sports. It felt like, okay, I don't think I could possibly get any better of what I was doing right now. I, pro I probably could have, but 
I feel like I'm getting towards the end here. I know this was it, and I just knew playing with these, playing with the players or my teammates we had now, we knew we had a good team, and we won every game knowing we were going to win. And so we knew we were going to do that. We were very loose. We were very close team together. So you'd see us before games, music playing from the PA system. We'd be having fun, dancing a little bit, and the other teams would try to take it so serious. We didn't have to do that. We'd go and just have fun and go out there and play, knowing we were going to win the games. Those are the most fun times. That's when you get to be the most confident, uh, loose, go play those type of games. Uh, so we talked about your playing career. You played football, basketball, and baseball. Any other sports, or was it just those three? It was really just those three, and basketball really wasn't that long of a process. I stopped playing in the seventh grade. I realized – after my seventh grade year, I was like, okay, I'm not playing high school basketball. I am nowhere near have the size to play, and I'd rather focus on football and then focus on baseball because they're far enough apart. So actually, after my seventh grade year, I started just during basketball season, I started weightlifting and just trying to get ready for football and baseball season. Yeah, well, I, I didn't play basketball until I was in eighth grade, and – I was not good. I did it to try to prove a point, and it was the counterpoint that was proven. I knew I wasn't going to start. I knew I was not going to be that good, but at least I didn't hurt myself trying to play basketball. I, I at least learned a little bit of something. It helps today when you call when I call games, be able to see things better. It, it just helps overall. Uh, so you wa obviously watched a lot of sports growing up. You've got the calls. That's the one thing I really want to talk to you about. The sayings that you have, what you come up with. I'm a big Mike Lang fan. I rip off some of his stuff. You don't do that. You don't rip off Mike Lang. You come up with some good ones on your own. And there's a few that I like. One that we have not yet have yet to use on air because I don't want you to. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a second. What are your, some of your favorite catchphrases? Uh, I like my obviously my favorite one. I've said a couple times is nothing but nylon. I think it's something most play-by-play -play guys they won't say it during a game aspect of the flow you might see some of the news people after they go back and do it when they have time to think about it I like doing that one because I feel like you can put it so many different ways you could say it quick or you could draw it out sometimes like I do so I enjoy doing that one I like that one a lot uh, obviously the I rip off the one Mike Klang one but I use it for basketball he did it on a couple of the women's games the rebound there is no rebound because yeah. that's something you just get so animated when you get into it it's something that shows a little bit of emotion so yeah, I enjoyed those. The emotion part, that's, that's what I loved about sports as well. And I think when we do our job, that's part of what we do. we got to bring the emotion of the game out, get fans uh, more interested in the game. And we're lucky in that sense because there are a few broadcasts that we have to do throughout the year that are neutral. We have to be neutral for, for the most part. Uh, we get to be pro-West Liberty, and it makes it a lot easier when you're allowed to root for a team when you're broadcasting a game. Oh, definitely, because you can, you can be a little disappointed when they don't do something good, but you can also be super excited when they do something good. Or, like, go ahead, go ahead. Or, like, I was going to say, for example, we were down at Frostburg, and I was doing – we were doing play-by-play, -play, you were doing color, and I was getting so animated, but we were sitting in the pro Frostburg crowd, and it would be dead silent when someone from Westland would make a shot – I'm screaming, yelling, kaboom, big time shot here. And it's just unbelievable and stuff like that. And sometimes you just can't worry about those people because you just have to be like, okay, this was awesome for everyone that's a Westlip fan. 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I had this a few times. People looking at me don't care. Uh, I could care less. As long as the people at home that are watching are happy, uh, I'm good with that. I'll take the uh, in-person embarrassment for a little bit. I don't care. What makes me laugh or the, some of the most fun that we have folks at home that may not get to see the behind the scenes during the game or get to see what we're doing at the table while the game's going on, it's probably a good thing. Uh, when we make each other laugh, whether it's on purpose or inadvertently, uh, those are probably the more fun times of our broadcast just because you got to try to reel it in. And you've had me cracked up. Again, the boom or kaboom, whatever you said at Frostburg State, I had a tough time dealing with that. I couldn't even look at you. Uh, you had me laughing. But then on the flip side, I'll call something and just get angry. I'll get angry about something, and you'll just laugh at me. And it's like, come on, you're supposed to be angry too, but you're just laughing hysterically. It's so hard because it, it's just like it, it happens. And you just go, okay, he's so mad because – some of the coaches I had growing up, they'd get mad, but at the point, like, you get yelled at so much, it just started to become funny. Oh, yeah. And now oh, yeah. I've, known you, I've known you long enough now, and you get mad. It's sometimes just kind of funny. And I'm sitting there just trying not to laugh in a, such a serious situation. Well, no, I mean, that's part of it. I'm glad you laugh at it. I'm glad when I get angry, you don't get scared or nervous or anything. I'm glad you just laugh. That's kind of how I want it for everybody on the crew, all the students out there. Um, but more often than not, when I get angry – it's about the game and it's, it's not about anything student wise or anything anybody's doing. It's the game. And uh, whether I'm smacking the table with every word that I say or, or whatever it is, it's, it's kind of funny. I try, I've tried. That's the thing that I think I've, I've gotten better with over the years of doing this, uh, becoming less of a fan while I'm on air because early on it was tough to not be a fan and just try to do your job and be professional. But uh, you know, these guys so well on all and, whether it's men's basketball, football, the women on the women's team, the coaches, it's more than just I graduated from that school. We know the coaches. We know the players. We're friends with them. We, we want them to win everything. We want them to win every game because we see the hard work they put in. And, you know, it kind of gets the emotion going even as a broadcaster. You know these guys. You want them to win. You want them to play well. Yeah, and, it, and that definitely adds a little bit to the broadcast, as you mentioned. Like, we get a little bit more excited – those neutral broadcasts, it's almost like – I do high school football on Friday nights this past season. And going into those, it was actually a little bit of a nice change of pace from time time again to get just to practice doing a neutral broadcast, knowing that, okay, but when you ever get to do one of a home team, you almost – there's almost like a sigh of relief. You're like, okay, good. I can just be a fan a little bit but still have to do my job at the same time. And it also makes it easier when you get to follow one team around. You kind of have their stats and those kind of things, records, just known by heart because uh, you got to follow them throughout the year. Um, which sport, which live sport? I know certain time of year there's only certain sports being played right, right now, like no NFL football or NCAA football. What sport are you missing the most right now? Right now? I love baseball, it's, but I miss the NCAA tournament so much. That's, that's the only time of year when you can just sit down and watch a game and you know you're going to get something good. So I miss that. But if we were on the fall, it would be 100% college football. I mean, when I, when I, you can see kind of behind me a little bit if you're just listening to this. There's three TVs sitting behind me right now. There's a game, a different game on every single one of them during the fall from noon to 10 p.m. It, it's something that me and my dad, we absolutely love just sitting down here together 
and then go ask me where I get some of my calls. That's some of them right here. I just listen to commentators. So, so you might pick up things here and there, and it might just might not be me just watching the game live. I go back and watch highlights all the time just because I miss it so much. I thought you were going to say you were taking some of the calls, uh, some of the things your dad was saying, or some of his buddies or friends that come up and watch the games because – uh, you know, you, you listen to Mike Lang talk about it, the broadcaster for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's some of the stuff he used to do when he'd go out and see people and just hear some of the things people said. He would use those on air. And let me point out point out to the viewers everywhere, you've got Mac Brown just beyond your right shoulder. Isaac, a huge Texas fan. Coach Howlett loves, loves – is there a signature? Oh, the glare, the glare from the – is there a signature on there too, or no? Yes, there is a signature. My uh, one of my dad's friends sent them a letter saying that he was a huge fan, and then they sent him that back that picture of Mac Brown with the signature from the 2005 national championship. That was maybe the best national title game ever played, too. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. But back, back to like. I can definitely say my dad has definitely helped me. He, he like yeah. I said, my parents watch every single game, and some people ask me like, "Oh, are your parents here at the game?" I say no, but they don't want to come up because they want to listen to me. Because they listen to me, and then I when I come home to either just visit or drop off laundry, something of that nature, they're like, "Hey, maybe try doing less of this, or maybe try adding this, or maybe try using this word instead of this one," just because being a college student there's not always a whole lot of time to go back and watch every single game and know and be like okay this is what I can improve on yes I go back and listen to some of the highlights we cut for social media and stuff like that just to go back and listen and be like okay this is where I can improve on this but for them watching every single game and hearing me doing this since I was a sophomore in high school they that just really helps for them to be like okay I know what you what how your style is and how I want to do it and stuff like that and then they go back and they just little hints here and there. That's uh, invaluable. It's always nice to have a family that will help out, especially a uh, family that is very sports-oriented. Uh, I know your sister was a pretty good athlete as well. So, My, my yeah. mother was a Hilltopper softball player when she went to West Lib, So, There you go. The, the keep the Hilltopper tradition alive. You get the broadcast. We would have been broadcasting softball games this season had uh, not all this stuff – gone on with coronavirus and boy it's still hard to believe that uh all these seasons have been canceled and you know it, it really makes you not take things for granted any longer just even the little things uh being able to leave not that we can't leave the house leave the house but just to see people and do uh talk to people other than the way we're talking to each other right now yeah it definitely definitely does not feel good many opportunities missed for you and myself to call games, West Lib or not, but hopefully those opportunities come around the next time. But I'll be ready whenever they do, and I'll be super excited when I can get out of the house and want to sit down and watch <laughs> a game. Yeah, that's – I don't know what I'll want to do more after this is all over, go watch a game live and just enjoy it or actually call a game. I think I'd rather just go watch a game and enjoy it real quick and then go call one. That's probably what it would end up happening. Do both. Watch a game you're not calling, and then mute it and start calling it yourself. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I could do that. Sometimes I do just to try to be funny, but or to try to practice, but anymore, I don't know, buddy. My, my, my big practicing is 
is when I either play Madden or NCAA football, and then I mute it, and then I call the games that way while I'm playing it. That's the best way to get practice because you're having recreational fun, but you're also working on your craft. There you go. I'm going to have to try doing that. Like, again, you let me borrow the college basketball game. I Lysoled it and all that good stuff, so nobody's going to get sick. It's all right. Um, but, Isaac, thank you for joining uh, us today and taking time out. Uh, we'll definitely have you back on to co-host another episode, Topper Nation. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you again. And we're still trying to figure out a name for this one. You got any suggestions, Isaac? Topper Talks is a good one. I like I that I think that's one. already taken. I think it's already taken, though. It's already taken. Okay. I'll I be thinking, so. though. Hilltopper Highlights? Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll figure something out. We'll put that yeah. in the bin, and we'll roll it around and see what we can get. Um, and as we head out, let everybody at home know why we're going to play the song that we played at the intro to start this and uh, what we're going to uh, leave out with. You want me to explain it? Yeah, explain Club Dub. Okay, so it was something – Todd and I came up with about halfway through the basketball season for away trips, you know, for the, it seemed like the whole month of February, we were on the road. So then the one thing I, I did was after we'd win a road basketball game, we would play 80s music on the way back, but it was always Whitney Houston. The first song had to be Whitney Houston at some point. Cause Todd and I know Whitney Houston and we could sing that forever <laughs> and ever. It's never going to get old, never going to get old. No, but, uh, we got to one point where it was a game we lost on the way home, and we sat in dead silence. And Todd's like, you going to play music? And I said, no. I said, we don't play music when we lose. And it wasn't fun. So that's where Club Dub came from. I saw a couple of years ago that the Bears used to do that in their locker room. After they'd win a game, they'd literally have turntables there for one of the players to be a DJ, and then they would have fun of that nature. And they called it Club Dub. So, so the van on the way back would always be called Club Dub for that reason. So it was, it would be – Win, W for the wins, W for West Liberty, and a W for Whitney Houston. That's right. Well, I'll tell you what. If you got that from the Bears, because that's what they did after wins, we might have to stop doing that because they're not very good. We have to rethink a name for this. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, it worked pretty good this past year. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I enjoyed it. And let's, let's rephrase. We, we cannot sing Whitney Houston. We just know the words. We attempt to sing. We'll, we'll, we'll even say it's sort of kind of an attempt. It's not very good, but we enjoy singing along with it. Uh, Isaac, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, Topper Nation, we will see you next time. I think the next interview we will have, it'll be Will Yoakum. Uh, and again, Isaac, we'll have you on next time. Not sure who the guest will be next time you're on, but uh, good luck. Stay healthy and stay away from people on the golf course. Hopefully there's not too many people golfing while you're up there working. Uh, we're, we have pretty good safety measures up there. You, okay. Even when you are golfing, you can't even touch the pin. There's things down in the hole to make it stand up. But I was working today, a lot of gloves, a lot of hand sanitizer, and cleaning carts, a lot of bleach. A lot of high fives. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. A lot, a lot of I elbow mean, the taps. wave, the wave, the wave, not, a, not an actual elbow high taps. five. <laughs> Half elbows. I'm not even getting that close. I'll wave at somebody. All right, buddy. Again, thank you, Topper Nation. We'll see you.